Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Ballsy. I'm Evan Grant. Uh, we are joined in studio today by my compatriot on the Rangers beat, Jerry Fraley. Hello, Frails. Buenos dias. Uh, and Barry Horn is here and threatening not to speak. I'm just going to say hi to everybody, and then I'm going to back out. And on the phone, we have new Rangers bench coach, Don Wakamatsu, who has joined us for a big Rangers preview right before we all head off to spring training here. Walk, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Outstanding. Uh, we're doing very, very well. We're, um, I'm sure you're far more along in terms of packing your spring training gear than we are. You've also, I'm sure, pretty much laid out your entire spring training workout schedule, have you not? Uh, don't give me that much credit, especially because we keep uh, signing new players. i got to change it every day. So, yeah, but no, we're, we, we think we got a hand. I'm going down to the ballpark today and talk uh, a little bit more about scheduling and get that thing organized, but we'll be ready to go. And, and part of what you will do is basically to – it falls under a bench coach's auspices to – to basically design, in, in conjunction with the manager, but design and schedule the, the spring training workout process, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the biggest thing this offseason, since it's a new organization for me, and I've known Banny a little bit over the last couple of years, but not real well, um, to spend as much time as I can with him on philosophy. So I think when you look at a spring training schedule, you're trying to, um, it's just not X's and O's and doing fundamentals, but you're trying to mirror what the manager is trying to accomplish from a team standpoint, chemistry, uh, work ethic, uh, maybe things that we'll implement this year. So there's a lot that goes into it. Well, what have you guys talked about in terms of, of chemistry and implementing those kinds of things? Um, you know, I think you, you, the first thing you do, and I know Banny did it right after the years ago, okay, what what do we need to change? What do we do good? All you know, get collect as much data as possible and say start to formulate a, a plan for next year. And so I think a lot of it is going to be, um, you know, we didn't throw enough strikes last year. You know, we need to play better defense. These are all standard things that everybody in baseball is looking at right now. You know, but we know, and I know, after going through you know several years in the big leagues and and uh, you know being with Kansas City with an organization that kind of started. Uh, not on the radar to to being pretty good for a couple of years, and, and, and knowing what that what that takes as far as these guys coming together. So, you know whether we do things in spring training to bring them together, um, you know different exercises or just team meetings or or dinners or what have you. I think you know we got to start building that those relationships. We have two new staff members, myself and Dan Warden. You know, so you know we got to work extra hard to to learn these players and build their trust, so we can kind of you know. Um, allow them to uh, to trust us enough to give them some advice along the way. You know, Don, you just mentioned being with Kansas City. And you did something in Kansas City very few people in the game have ever done. You won a World Series. You and the Royals. Jerry, sure, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I apologize. We were talking, you were just talking about Kansas City. And you did something there that very few people do. You won a World Series. And 
I know it was everybody. It wasn't just one person. It was everybody. But what did you learn from that experience that you can carry over into this position? Uh, I, I learned that I didn't know what it was like to be in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think you do. And, and uh, you know, I was fortunate to kind of way back as a, as a, as a minor league uh, director be associated with it with, with uh, Anaheim, but it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't the same as being in the dugout. Um, what I learned more importantly is, 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 is you know, it's got to be 25 guys. Uh, I mean, absolutely in and out. You look at Houston, and uh, the amazing thing is to be able to, to, for fans to see when that comes together. It's special. You know, and it's unstoppable. You almost feel that the momentum rolling, and so uh, to see guys come together, you see it in little league, you see it in college now and then. You very rarely see it in the big leagues because of all the the you know the extra stuff that goes on, whether it's salaries or arbitration or free agency or trades. You know, those things are all disruptive to a club a lot of times. You know, so it's uh, we were fortunate in '15 to be able to, in a sense, have a uh, a pit in our stomach. Uh, when we got walked off in Game 7. No one forgot about that. And so that kind of motivates through the year. I think um, a lot of guys on this team are young uh, and energetic right now and and, and knowing that, uh, you know, they let some, the fan base down a little bit last year. And, you know, we're we're out to do some damage this year. So but we got a lot of challenges ahead of us. You know, watching that team, those Royals teams from the outside, I was always impressed, I think, what you just mentioned, the leadership, the character of those guys, like Hosmer, Moustakis, Kane. To those guys, it's like winning meant something. You know, in this age of analytics, is there still a place, you think, for those kind of guys that, uh, I'm going to use a vague term, feel free to use another term, you know, the leaders, the guys who really you know, bleed and blood, sweat, and tears to win. Is there a place for those kind of guys? No, I, I think it's paramount you have to have those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the... The one on our club that's, that stands out all the time is Adrian. Mm-hmm. You know, well now we're going to ask the, the Joey Gallows and the Delano the Shields, and you know, Elvis is starting to come in his own. So, you know, the time is right for these guys to step up. And what I mean by step up is, is do they trust each other mm-hmm. like brothers? Mm-hmm. You know, do they do they call each other out when when you know maybe one guy's not pulling his weight or his focus isn't there? There's a lot mm-hmm. of things that these guys. And, and you got to do it. You know, again, uh, Houston's the poster child. The Cubs were the poster child. You look at every World Series championship team, and <laughs> they mention chemistry. Well, you know, that chemistry isn't always there at the start. You know, winning breeds chemistry, but also these guys got to, you know, accept that role and their responsibility to kind of step up. One last Kansas City question, if I can. I thought those teams were exceptional base runners. Not just stealing bases, you know, the ball in the dirt, taking 90 feet, going the extra base, you know, first to third. Was that just a case of good base runners, or was there something you all did in spring training that was able to carry over into the regular season and make that club such a good base running team? No, I, I think both. You know, obviously, you know, there's times on, on those teams where you looked in the, our outfield, it seemed like no ball would ever land. There mm-hmm. was no green out there. We were <laughs> athletic. There's no yeah. doubt it. We were young, right. you know. But also, when you look at philosophy of a baseball club and when you strike out a lot, you can't be aggressive, you know. And one thing we did in Kansas City, we put the ball in play, mm-hmm. you know, almost to a fault. But, um, you know, you look at, look at the successful teams uh, in the last couple of years here, you know, very aggressive on the bases, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pressurizing defenses. 
And so, you know, our focus is to be able to, to, to play situational baseball and fundamental baseball, and that starts with putting the ball in play and trusting that batter can protect that runner to put him in motion. Otherwise, it, you know, it handcuffs Banny. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's there's some accountability on these guys to make some adjustments, but we're going to work on that in spring training, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to talk about it every day. And Walk, you mentioned something in, earlier about not throwing many, not throwing as many strikes as um, as as this team would like to, and I, I get from talking with both Jeff Bannister and, and John Daniels that that command of the strike zone on both sides of the plate is going to be a significant emphasis this. This season, you talked about in Kansas City how well you guys were able to put the ball in play. I think one thing we saw last year with the Rangers was the number of rallies that died because of unproductive outs and because of the strikeout on uh, uh, in the bottom half of the order in particular. And on the other side of the ball, there weren't enough first pitch strikes. There weren't en- there wasn't the ability to strike hitters out when need be to kind of. Uh, end an inning and, and not extend opportunities for, for opponents. How do you, when you've got to communicate that to, to major league players who by and large understand the importance of strikes, but when you've got to communicate that to players on both sides of the ball again, how do you try and get that message across? Well, I think you try to departmentalize it. You break it down. You know, one thing uh, I learned from Buck years ago was, uh, you know, it's, we call it human nature. And whenever a, a, a defense gives up multiple runs, what does the offense do? They come in, they start swinging at everything to try to get those runs back. You know, and so, um, you know, I, I use a word uh, about some of the players in Kansas City about watching the, the, the development was maturity. You know, and some of these young hitters, as they start to understand, you know, play the game as simple as they can and, and, and don't try to be the hero every night. And one of our, our things was, you know, passing the torch. It's okay to get a walk. It's, it's okay for Joey Gallo to take a walk, you know. Um, we want him to hit a home run every time, but it's okay. We need base runners, and, and we can do some things. We can pressurize them. So I think, you know, again, for me, spring training um, is, for most players, it's too long. For me, it's too short because there's a, there's so much that we got to cover, and then we take that analytical data and try to disseminate it as best we can without uh, convoluting it in a sense, you know, but it's all, it's still baseball. You know, these guys are very successful along the way, but I think that's where um, the emotions come into play a lot of, a lot of times in the game. It's just not that they're not trying. They're, they're trying too hard a lot of times and, and uh, just having that, that comfort level of, of playing as, as a team rather than, you know, an individual. You mentioned Buck. Um, you were obviously the bench coach here for Buck Showalter um, for four years. Uh, you uh, served on Ron Washington's staff for a year. Uh, as Jerry mentioned, you were part of Ned Yost's staff that won the World Series in Kansas City, and, and, and you've managed in Seattle. Uh, one thing that I, I think fans never really get a good grasp on is how fast the game actually moves in the dugout and where a manager or a bench coach's head has to be while the play on the field is actually taking place. Can you walk us through that just a little bit? <laughs> I don't think we have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, now, well, first off, I think what fans un- got to understand now is just the constraints on a manager um, from the media standpoint. Um, you know, three or four interviews a day, sometimes some TV spots, um, then, then dealing with players on an individual basis. So then now with all the analytical data, 
you know, it, it's next to impossible for a manager to be able to, to decipher it like um, the departments of the coaching staff. And that's our job. You know, we're, we're a support staff. So um, I have to be prepared uh, for just about any situation, knowing that, you know, uh, Banny's doing a lot of other stuff to, to, to promote the club. Um, doesn't mean that he doesn't do that. It's just he's got to work twice as hard. But um, so that's that's number one. Uh, number two is obviously organizing spring training according to team defenses and philosophies. And then before, once we get into the season, now it's the dialogue prior to the game that um, we have to um, – We'll go over every single uh, uh, inning prior to a game. What happens if a guy takes our starter takes a line drive off his foot in the first inning? What if we play the what if game? Right. So there's a lot of dialogue that has to happen. You know, who's our mid mid uh, inning closer? Who we're going to use late in the ball game? Uh, you know, what if we're down by four? Who, you know, who's coming off the the bench for them? Uh, who's our pinch runner? Who's our defensive replacement? Those are all things that that we we dialogue so the game slows down a little bit for us. And managers, a lot of times, you know, they're 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 thinking about, um, you know, the starting pitch, and they're watching a uh, starting pitcher, and they're watching whether he's fatiguing, where he's at, and that. And all of a sudden, now, you know, I got to be thinking about who's coming up, who's leading off. Do we are we going to bunt the second hitter if he gets on? Are we going to hit and run? There's just a lot of things that go on um, that that um, you know I think a manager can rely on a good bench coach to to help him not to get surprised. I mean, the way it I look... Every, it takes every bit of the whole staff. Cause it, it, it's a much faster game, like you said, than most people think. I, and I th- the one thing I think I, I've always tried to envision is that if, if there's something going on on the field, your eyes aren't necessarily there, but they're two steps ahead or three steps ahead in the scenario of the what-if process. Uh, this happens here... How do we react? Particularly once the you get to the middle innings and later. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot that goes on, especially with instant replay for a bench coach. You know, you're you're dealing with the, the guys up in the in the video room on that. You know, you're checking every play. You know, it used to be where you used to be able to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you yeah. now you got to run down there and go, and then come back so you don't miss anything. You know. Uh, but, um, no, it's, it's, it's a great job. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, the staff here is just, and luckily I've, I've had some relation with some of the staff before and it's, it's an easy fit for me to come in. You know, Don, I'm just wondering in that position, your position, do you ever scout yourself in the team? And here's what I mean by that. Do you ever make sure like you're not getting predictable, like always running on the same counts, always doing, you know, do you, do you ever look at that step back and look at how you guys are running the game? how Banny's doing it all and say, hey, maybe we're getting a, little, a pattern here? I think that's more important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always I always said, you know, sometimes if we didn't have scouting reports, then how do we function? Well, mm-hmm. we function on whether a guy's throwing quality strikes, mm-hmm. you know, whether he's getting ahead. <coughs> are we mm-hmm. using the best pitches at the best time? Mm-hmm. Are we not allowing their best hitter? You know, all those little mm-hmm. keys, same thing offensively. Uh, I, I think we have to know ourselves better than anybody, mm-hmm. and and it, and it happens like you said. A lot of times we'll get a four-inch thick binder on the opposing team, and we're not realizing that you know maybe we're not using a certain guy in the lineup in the right spot, or we're not using a reliever in in a certain spot. So all this analytical data nowadays, mm-hmm. we challenge our guys upstairs to say, "Hey, listen, if you can find a nugget, we're open to it." Mm-hmm. You know, 
and, and you know, I think there's a misconception in baseball when they say, well, that team's a analytical team and this team's not. Don't kid yourself. Everybody in baseball is trying to get an edge. And so it's just a matter of, you know, their philosophy and how much they, they utilize it. But everybody, to an extent, every team I've ever been with um, uses that data um, just like anybody else would. doesn't always win you games. Right. But, you know, I think you you have to look at that. You'd be foolish not to look at that. Absolutely. All right, before we let you go, Walk, I, I think the most important question for many fans, because you, uh, as we said, you were here when the Rangers first moved to Surprise. Uh, when you moved over to the Royals, you were still based in Surprise. And now you're going to be back in surprise again. Um, <laughs> what is what is the one aspect of surprise that uh, is? And, and I'm not talking about baseball, but what do fans need to find out about surprise that they don't know yet? They need to find my statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can find it, but <laughs> where is that I think statue? I'm the longest, ten, longest that... tenured guy there. You know, I just keep going back and forth. But um, you're no, the mayor. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, um, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal uh, complex. In Arizona in general, all these new ball state-of-the-art uh, state ballparks, whether it's Talking Stick or Goodyear or, you know, go down the list. But And we just, uh, you know, surprised us redid the, 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 the complex just uh, last year. And so it's beautiful. And, I mean, to think that you have, you know, basically six and a half fields to train on and then you have state-of-the-art batting cages and, fans get access to, to walk back there and, and kind of, um, you know, see players in a, in a different light in their practice and whether they're not so stressed out or a little bit more relaxed atmosphere and, you know, get autographs. And so I think the whole setup is the dual setup is, is outstanding. You know, I think it gives fans a, a chance to see two clubs if they want. Um, Arizona is a situation where, you know, traffic's a little bit tougher now, but you can see just about – you know, uh, anybody you want within within 45, 50 minutes. All right. Well, this has been this has been a great visit, Walk. We appreciate it, and um, I am going to start the movement uh, as quickly as possible <laughs> yeah. to uh, either get you a statue or, you know, there is the surprise sports complex Hall of Fame. Maybe you'll be this year's inductee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. W. I'll be in the back. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you in a week out there, and uh, we'll enjoy some sunshine together. Thanks for taking some time. All right. Thank you. You guys take care. All right. All right. See you. There he goes, Don Wakamata. I, I think the Rangers have um, – I, I think this was a really good hire for the Rangers for a number of reasons. One, you know, uh, having apprentice under Buck Showalter, you, you get an apprenticeship that uh, – with a manager who is prepared as well as anybody in baseball. I mean, uh, Buck may overthink some things, but my God, the guy, the guy is obsessed with, with planning. Um, as Jerry said, he's been to and won a world series and that's invaluable. And, and this is a guy with a very even keel, um, relates well to players. Uh, I think he's going to be a good guy to kind of take the message from Jeff Bannister and almost act sometimes as a surrogate for the manager when the manager doesn't have time. Can I ask a question here? Because he, he, he kind of implied something there, and maybe I inferred something from what he said. He said he doesn't know Jeff that well. Whose hire was he? Well, I, I, I think ultimately it's John Daniels' hire. Um, he's the GM, and I think that ultimately he's going to be the guy who signs off on it. And I think that, uh, listen, they have, a long, they have a long relationship. John Daniels and Don Wakamatsu do. They, uh, they work together when, when Buck Showalter was here. 
Walk was a finalist for the managerial job when Ron Washington was hired. Uh, he worked um, without an ego after after being passed over for the manager's job with, with Wash. And he's got another decade worth of experience since then. Uh, but I also think that, you know, to Jeff Bannister's credit, you you better be willing to take some staffers on your staff who aren't just your cronies because there's a lot of guys out there who you may not know and you may have to be forced together with, but they've got some knowledge to impart. Yeah. And no disrespect to Steve Bouchelle, but he was put in a tough position. He had managed in the minors. He'd never managed in the big leagues. And I think a bench coach who's managed has managed in the big leagues has a huge advantage in Wakamatsu has with Seattle. Again, it's nothing – Steve, Steve Bouchelle is a good man. He could very well be a major league manager someday. But the guy who already has that managerial experience, who doesn't have an ego, as Walk doesn't, that, that, that's just invaluable for a manager to have him sitting right next to him. And, 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 and to Jerry's point also, Steve Bouchelle is not a guy that, that Jeff Bannister had a whole lot of familiarity with. They, be, they kind of passed in the night for, for Bannister's mm-hmm. one week in the mm-hmm. big leagues. But that was about it. Um, I, I want to move in now to a couple of, of, of spring training issues. And before we get into those, though, Barry. We, well, I know what you're, you're, you're looking for, and I got I have to find them on my phone. Well, I, I have is, them right here. But do, do you have – I want to give credit to the people who asked. Yeah, I have the names because I wrote them down. Evan, you're a genius. So this is our first ballsy mailbag, and we got – Twitter bag. Twitter bag. We got two questions, which is better than mm-hmm. none. Which is – yeah, and – what were they? Okay, so I'll pose this to Jerry, and then I'll answer it as well. And I'll just watch it some more. Um, from Jack Kerr. Jack Kerr wants to know, who will be the opening day left fielder for this team? Play in Houston. They're going to pitch Keiko. I don't think they'd want to put Willie Calhoun in that situation, so I'll say Ryan Rua. Uh, I am going to go with Ryan Rua as well, because I do think they're going to end up with some kind of platoon situation yeah. in left field. I don't know that the Rangers are going to have a, a regular left fielder, and I believe that's become a problem for this team. We addressed this with our, in our spring training issue. This is the four consecutive years now. The Rangers have not had a left fielder start even half of their games. And what I don't get, Frails, is is it really that difficult to find a left fielder these days? No, but they've they've you know they've come up short there. I mean, left field you got to have a thumper, right? And they haven't had a thumper out there, and. You know, I mean, Rua's injury, we never know what, how much the injury took away from him in 16, was it? 15? 15. 15. But, yeah, you gotta have a, you got to have a thumper out there. But also, with Calhoun, I think you got to make sure you don't put him in bad positions early. Give him a lot of chance to have success early. I have a question. What's a thumper? Big hitter. The, a bopper. The, and I got a question. I, I spoke to a group on Sunday. I got a question about Calhoun. And, obviously, there's a lot of interest in Willie Calhoun mm-hmm. right now because he was the top of the right. package that was acquired from mm-hmm. for you, Darvish. Uh, you made him the Rangers' number two prospect mm-hmm. in the organization mm-hmm. in your rankings behind Leody Tavares. Right. Um, I, I, I think that where Willie Calhoun is concerned, he could make it difficult on the Rangers by coming to spring training mm-hmm. and just hitting in the way that this club thinks he can hit. But can he play left field adequately? And I look at teams around the big leagues right now, look at what Milwaukee just did with Kane mm-hmm. and – uh, with the acquisition of Yelich, teams are putting a lot of resources into outfield defense. Oh yeah, I mean, that goes way back. I remember Doug Melvin, the Orioles, early '90s, they were turning outfield defense. What you got to do with Willie Calhoun is get him three at bats, hope you have the lead, then get him out for defense. Right. Um, second question, Barry, and I'll I'll do this too since I have the name since, here. Okay, go ahead and ask it. 
Frails, who is not currently on the Rangers? Let me just interject here that there's a report this morning. I haven't been able to confirm it. Report this morning that the Rangers have signed um, Korean reliever mm-hmm. uh, oh. Sing Juan Oh, yeah. who was with St. Louis the last two years. He is a veteran who pitched in Korea for a long time. They wanted a veteran for the roster, mm-hmm. for the bullpen, but he only has two big league seasons, one very good one, mm-hmm. one not so good. Right. But the question from Brady Ross is, who is not on the roster at this point in time who you think might be come the opening day? Uh, I'll, can I back into it? Sure. It's a catcher. Okay. It's a veteran catcher. He is. He is a veteran catcher who can catch 60 games. I don't know if they trust any of the guys right now to catch 60 games in place of Chirinos. Who he is, boy, I'm, I don't, you know, I thought I thought Al Avila would have been a good, Alex Avila would have been a good choice, but he signed with Arizona, I believe it was. If, if I was looking for a veteran catcher yeah, right now in yeah. the vein that you're talking yeah, about, yeah. Carlos Ruiz would be a guy I'd consider. Chooch, yeah, he worked well with Hamels in Philadelphia. Worked well with Hamels, be a good leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. I think he'd work really well with Robinson Trinos, and yeah. he would give you some level of security if Trinos gets yeah, hurt. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a guy because Trinos will get hurt, and even that, he's at his best. You can't play him 120 games. You've right. got to play him 90 games. Uh, so you need a guy who can play a lot. As it, as it is right now, I mean, I, I think their most realistic scenario is to go with Brett Nicholas because mm-hmm. he's a left-handed hitter, mm-hmm. um, or they go with Jose Trevino, who has no major league experience. Yeah. Uh, and they, I, I think Trevino is a great defensive catcher mm-hmm. or has the ability to be a great defensive catcher. Question I have, and the question the Rangers have is, will he hit in the big leagues? Right. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I still think that there's a starting pitcher out there that the Rangers will end up with. I think once the big names fall, we're going to have an NFL, NBA-type free agency period with the pitchers where everybody goes in about 48 hours. Somebody is going to get left standing, needing to take a one-year deal, and the guy that sticks out to me is a guy the Rangers had experience with last year, who pitched well, gave him innings. His peripherals weren't great, but I could see this team very easily bringing Andrew Kashner back on another one-year deal, and that then gives them some flexibility in the rotation where they can maybe move Matt Bush or Mike Miner to the bullpen and strengthen the bullpen as well. Yeah, I think it needs to be a right-hander because if you get – You've got all four the, lefties well, right with now. all the lefties, you got a chance a, a team in one series, the, the hitters get comfortable seeing three lefties in a row – that goes back to the year one of the years was ninety nine. The Rangers had four right, uh, five righties were like helling and all, and all through the same kind of stuff. And right. but a third game in the series, they'd get crunched. So, a right-handed starter, yeah. I think you'd like to have a little bit more right-handed, left-handed balance in the rotation right. than to go with four lefties. Right. Um, yeah, can I jump in with a question? Sure. You, since you guys are so, talking about Willie Calhoun, if it doesn't work out in left field for Willie Calhoun, mm-hmm. but his bat is good, where where could it, where else could he play? DH. Yeah, I mean, That's DH it. would be the natural position, and I think if the Rangers do, I, I think there's, I think the Rangers are going to have to do some serious soul searching this year. If this team does not perform above expectations, and that's it's very very possible, and they start moving players at the deadline, if they move Beltre at the deadline, uh, if they move Hamels at the deadline, what do you do? Because you know, in 2019, you're probably not going to contend. Do you sit here and you, you keep Sinshu Chu on the roster at $20 million? Or do you at some point in time say, even if somebody won't take that any portion of that salary, that you just have to move on and give Willie Calhoun at bats? And that's that's no – I'm not denigrating Sinshu Chu as a player, but right now he's a DH and he's a very expensive DH. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a sunk cost. In that scenario, let's just uh, – I know you're not hypothetical. You release him. Right. you got to pay him. It's, well, again, it's a sunk cost. So the day you sign him, you got to pay him. 
So really, all it's going to cost you is the five hundred thousand of Willie Calhoun or something, or five fifty, whatever. Right. At that point, I I mean, I just think they're going to have to look. They they may have to look at that long and hard. Now, there are injuries and and so forth that could take place during the season, and maybe another team does need a DH, and Chu brings an on base Mm -hmm. uh, an on base component, and maybe the Rangers can move that contract and get a fraction of the money back, maybe five million a year max. But I don't see Sinchu Chu having a whole lot of value to them on the trade market. And I think we all feel like, listen, I we saw Willie Calhoun um, at the Rangers midseason banquet, midwinter banquet. Uh, he was at FanFest. He looks like he's in better physical shape. I think he's lost some weight. Uh, he didn't look great in left field last year, but he was learning that position on the fly. I think a lot of this is going to depend how well he adapts to left field. If he can play left field adequately, I think they have no problem with him playing their regular. Now, if he can play for three at-bats a game and get somebody out there to play defense, you're fine. Right. Plus, I'm leading the campaign to call him by the name he likes, June. June well, Calhoun, not well, Willie. He well, you know, June. You know what the R is? called June? June, yeah, because everybody called him Junior as a kid. Yeah, because he is a junior. Right. He is a junior. So he got he got called Junior, and that got shortened to June. So like he's Junior June Griffey Calhoun. and Junior Ripken. Um, the Rangers should be so lucky. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here's the other question that I've got for you now, Frills, is, is this, and, and I keep going back and forth on this. The Rangers are out of options with Jerks and Profar. Mm-hmm. Um, they just signed Darwin Barney, who would seem to be a very nice veteran uh, middle infield backup type. Can he play shortstop? I don't know if he can. He's played four. He started forty games at short. Yeah, I mean he's a second baseman. So I don't know about his arm. Anyway, he's a second. He's yeah. a second baseman by trade. Right. Was a yeah. Gold Glove second right. baseman. Yeah. And certainly you want to talk about guys yeah. that you get three at bats and yeah. get them out of the game. Yeah. Maybe Odor's that kind of guy. Yeah. But if Barney's one of your backup infielders, mm-hmm. how are you getting at bats, playing time? What do you do with Profar? Because it it, it appears clear. That he's going to be yeah. on this roster, he has to be because I think he they need some protection of Elvis op, opts out and leaves, mm-hmm. which he says he won't. But you got you got to protect yourself. Worst case scenario. But how uh, do you get him playing time? Now? Well, I don't think Barney makes a team. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I think I think they're doing his agent a favor when it's this late, but just putting him in camp. But I think you got if he's on the if Profar is on the roster, you got to play him. So how, now, how do you find him playing time? Well, I mean, I think I think you got to sit down. If Odor gets in that same rut again, you got to sit him down. You can't let him play all one sixty two and bury himself like he did last year. So maybe get him some time there. Give Elvis a day. You know, I'm a big believer in, in days. I, the the one sixty two, yeah, Ripken did a yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's a hard game and a hard. These guys have hard travel. I would anytime you get a guy a blow, it helps them. I think. Absolutely, and I think in that category, one of the things that they have to accomplish mm-hmm. this spring is basically lay down the law with Adrian Beltre mm-hmm. that, hey, you are an asset to this team, and you mm-hmm. are the better option basically every day at third base. Yeah, maybe Profar's your 55-game third baseman. But we can't play you at third base every day and risk mm-hmm. losing you for two or three weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. All right, before we go, what is the one thing you will pay most attention to this spring? Cole Hamels. You know, he didn't have a good spring last year, carried over into the season, even after the oblique. Uh, see where his velocity is. His velocity was down the spring last year. See how he is, you know, coming into this one. Because he's getting a little older, as you all know. And, you know, older's not good always. No. I, we I, all know that, yeah. Jared. I, I think for me it's still going to be, in, in talking to Jeff Bannister yesterday, I still think this team basically is, is going to have to form its bullpen roles from scratch. I don't know that there's anybody that they've got pegged into any one role. Um, 
you would like to think that Jake Diekman, the way he came back last year, would profile as a potential closer. But if you do that, and Alex Claudio is your your kind of eighth inning left handed guy, now you're short <laughs> another lefty somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. If you go with a five man plus one rotation kind of mix, mm-hmm. you better have a guy who can swing from the bullpen to the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think they're going to have to to do a whole lot of. Uh, I haven't seen a situation where you go to spring training and you basically have no rules for anybody in the bullpen, and that's the way I feel the Rangers are right now. Yeah, that's not a good situation because no matter what they say, those guys like to know their roles. They're like Pavlov dogs, you know. And the, if you're the seventh inning guy after six, your bell rings. You're ready to go. And I mean, they've they got to settle that. They've got plenty of arms for options, but I just don't know that they've got guys who they they feel settled into any specific Which role. Which is why they're still signing it. Yeah, you know, they're signing it. They, and that's again, I don't think that's good when you have a, a structureless bullpen. You got to have structure. Absolutely. Um, well, we could talk this all day, but... Uh, That's what Barry says. Yeah. You guys, I scripted this perfectly. You mm. said it told, you did exactly what I told you to say. Mm. Jerry did exactly what I told him to say. Mm. I'm done for the day. I'll just end on this. Fly, Eagles, fly. Oh, Cowboy fans are going to love that. Mm. Um, and as I as I said on Sunday night, at least Mike Trout... Wait, Jerry's another Philadelphia guy. He yeah, is? Chuck Cooper's... You, you worked in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Worked in Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I was there when they beat the Cowboys in NC title game, and it was like the greatest thing people ever seen up there. Well, until Sunday night when guys were willing to eat horse poo. That's Philly for you. That is Philly. Um, so we'll uh, we'll finish on that note. We'll finish on the horse poo note, and uh, we will get out of here. We had uh, uh, John, John Machoda to talk about the, the disparity between the Cowboys and Eagles. We had Chuck Cooperstein to talk about – uh, the NBA trade deadline, where the Mavs are, what they might do with uh, a top pick, and would they use it on Trey Young? He sa- he says uh, we're going to let that people listen to that just in case they haven't listened to it yet. Of course they've listened. And then we just had Jerry Fraley and Don Wakamatsu for a Rangers spring training extravaganza. Let me tell you something. Sitting here, this has been the most educational podcast I've heard. This in this podcast is easy we try to set a low bar barry you guys are terrific all right everybody we will talk to you next week i will be in sunny arizona at that point in time and i'll be on the phone with uh, hopefully barry and kevin kevin will be back kevin wasn't here today he was uh, on vacation again <laughs> thanks for listening to the rangers ballsy podcast Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.